Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wonderful vacation with family and was awesome. Great. Very good. Okay, it's Sunday, June 25th. Donut Sunday. <laughs> Another blessing. Okay, um... We ended two, uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So oh. When was that? I haven't missed anything. 528 was the last. That's what I Because people weren't here, so we didn't have class. Oh, okay. But um, we ended up uh, talking about sowing uh, on good soil and um, hearing, really listening, perceiving, comprehending to gain the understanding of God's words. We talked about being careful about what we allow into our eyes and ears. And even while we are resting, God's word germinates and grows and produces good fruit in our lives. So then we you know, went into the law of sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest, God's spiritual law that cannot be altered or changed. And the primary seed is God's word in our mouths, which we need to speak out and then follow up with corresponding actions of faith. Uh, so we flowed through that uh, aspect of speaking God's word. And um, then we started to talk about uh, hearing about hearing or reading about us suddenly. And then a miracle happened. And, um, you know, sometimes we sow that seed and it does take a while to produce what we're expecting and hoping for. But suddenly, a miracle occurs. And many times it's way above and beyond what we initially asked or hoped for. So when we have real faith and speak God's word, our circumstances can suddenly be changed. So let's go to this well-known scripture, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And as I have said before, I put a box around now faith. It's faith in the here and now. It's not now, comma. Now faith is, it is now faith. There's that napkin. Now faith, right now, here, is being sure having that blessed assurance of what we hope for and the certainty of what we know is already there. We don't see it yet, but it will come into the natural world for us to experience. Faith reveals what is already there. The spiritual realm is the original realm and source of all. And the, the earth that we live on is actually the reflection. It's the shadow. It's the image of the original. 
We studied multiple scriptures that verified that things were created by the words spoken by Creator God and that we were given power and authority to do the same. We are able to bring the things already created by God in the supernatural into the natural by our words that line up with His words. Things and circumstances are created by words, and this is why specific words are so important. Now, Kenneth Copeland and Bill Winston both said about the same thing. The spiritual world is superior to the natural world. The natural is dependent on the spiritual. It takes faith to bring the supernatural into the natural. All spiritual blessings and a grace abound to us. Have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. Have God's faith as well as his righteousness and wisdom. Use God's faith to move a mountain. It can fix anything. Spiritual power goes to the root of the problem. Live by it. Grab a hold of the abundance on the table. Speak and act on your faith. Now, I had not looked at this lesson before right now. Okay. It's been a while, several weeks since I've looked at that. And isn't it funny that yesterday morning, Taylor and I were watching T.D. Jakes on Christian television, and it was his men's conference, and guess who the speaker was that they showed in yesterday's segment? It was Bill Bill Winston. Winston. And guess what he talked about? Now faith. Your faith. Well, go beyond that. Have the God kind of faith have God's faith and you have it you need to use it Just turn the tables instead of saying have faith in God he said have God faith you have the faith of God in other words when you approach something don't look at uh, in a, on it as puny little me having faith look on it as if you're God and has the faith that it will be done and that's that changes your way of thinking about faith because the faith is already accomplished in God. And I'd never thought of it that way before. We, we studied the scripture several weeks ago that mm-hmm. God gave everyone the same measure of faith. So everybody, when you become born again, he puts it in you and you have the Holy Spirit living in you. So you already have that seed faith there, but you need to activate it. You need to appropriate it and use it and apply it in your daily life. Now, the example he gave that really struck the men at the conference is, okay, uh, Taylor wants to go drive down to the mall. And Bill Winston is here, and he, and so Taylor can take take his car car. key and take his car and go and drive down, do it on his own. Okay. Well, Bill Winston said, here, here's my keys. You take my car. You take my keys, drive my car, and use that. Well, it's the same thing with God kind of faith. Here's God. You can try to use your faith to get yourself to where you want. But here, I'm giving you my kind of faith. Here, use my faith to get what you want, to accomplish what you want, to obtain what you want. Now, that's a whole different level of looking at how you use faith. You're not doing it in your own strength, power, wisdom, knowledge. You're doing it in God's. 
And that's a much higher, yeah. much more authoritative because and powerful Rod, way of doing it. Rod wrote in the newsletter about insecurity right. and how he, he says it's rampant in this area for people to be insecure about themselves. He sees it in everybody that he meets out here. Everybody's insecure. They, they don't have enough faith in themselves. And he said, so that's why this ties in with taking advantage of the faith of God. And I think that's why our church is reaching out to so many other churches. Or so many other churches are reaching out to, to us. us. Yeah. For, a lot for of them are coming here and seeing what's going on at this church, and they want to know how to do it. Yeah. How can we do what you're doing? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, you know, the amount of ministry work that goes on in this church is going, you know, like going off the charts. And people are volunteering, and they're making new ministries and uh, expanding what's already there, and it's, you know... It's exciting, and it's helping people, and it's increasing the bonds of friendship and camaraderie and working relations within the church, too. So everybody's benefiting, the people doing it and the people receiving it. Now, uh, going back to having that spiritual power goes to the root of the problem. Live by it. Grab a hold of the abundance on the table. Speak and act on your faith. And we should take that a step further. Speak and act on God's faith. God kind of faith. So now go to Mark 4. Okay, just okay, just and just stay in Mark a little bit. But just first start with Mark four verse eleven. And uh, okay, uh, NIV. Ryan, you had that. And he told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything is said in parables. Okay, so. We already have the secret to the kingdom of God. And there's lots of books out there, you know, the gates of heaven, accessing, accessing, you know, the resources of heaven, the keys to heaven, and all of its abundance, you know. We've already been given that secret. Okay. Now, go to Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. Now, do you want to read that right? Go ahead. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was. And <coughs> there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, 
Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Okay. One of the major points here is having the faith of God or, you know, the faith of Jesus. And when Jesus declares something or says something, you know it's going to happen. So if you look right at the beginning of that, and this often gets skipped when you hear this parable, Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. So the disciples at that point should have already known that they were going to make it to the other side. They were not going to perish. God was with them in the boat. Jesus is I mean, there, and he already, made his, his, he already made a declaration of what's going to happen. Let yes, us go over why? to the other side, and, uh, you know, he's going to be teaching over there. And <coughs> they lost sight <coughs> of the fact that he is always with them, and he's already said we're going to go to the other side, and obviously they're going to make it over there. And regardless of the storms along the way, and when you intend to do God's will, the devil will try to create storms. Um, you'll get through it with Jesus. And the thing is, Jesus announced his plan, and then suddenly this furious squall. Well, that's the devil trying to stir things up. But these people should have already had that hope, expectation, and assurance that even though they didn't see the calmness that Jesus was going to bring them through. Jesus, he never failed us yet. That great choir song that we have sung a dozen times to different groups now. He never failed me yet. And they lost sight of that. So you have to have the God kind of faith in what God says, whether it's a written word in the scripture or something that the Holy Spirit whispers to you, have faith and have the God kind of faith. And verse 39, we can also make our own declarations. We can speak the word of God out, speak it out, rebuke that illness, rebuke that financial problem. Rebuke any problem in your life. You can, you can, you know, rebuke the devil. You have authority over him. He does not have power and authority over you. When you're a child of the Most High God, you have his power and authority that he gave to you through the cross. Once you accepted Jesus, that was all given to you. So you can stand up and make a declaration. And if there's something that you want to bring in from the heavenly storehouse into your earthly storehouse you just need to speak it out loud my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills he has a storehouse for me that is bigger than i can imagine and he will provide what i need so you just start making those declarations go to scriptures and personalize them <clears throat> so right there is a parable that Non-believers would not understand, but when you start studying the Word of God and have a relationship with them, then you'll start to see the deeper levels in that parable and get that nugget that you can use in your life to change your circumstances. Uh, any questions or comments on that? 
Okay, go back to Mark 11. is a long book. Mark 11 uh, verses 12 through 14 or um, and then I also have 19 through 22. I got it. Okay, good. good. <laughs> that <laughs> Rebuke that Nat. <laughs> that Nat likes faces. It wants to be on your face. It's done now. It's rebuked. He is rebuked and she took power and authority over that little gnat. I thought you just stick there, honey. He did. Okay. I'm sorry. No, that's good. Mark 11. You can just read from 12 to 22 if you want. Do you want to read that, Ed? On the day following, when they had came away from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing in the distance a fig tree with leaves, he went to see if he could find any fruit on it. For in the fig tree, the fruit appears at the same time as the leaves. But when he came up to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the fig season had not yet come. And he said to it, No one ever again shall eat fruit from, from you. And his disciples were listening to what he said. And they went to Jerusalem, and they went to the temple area, the porches and the courts, and began to drive out those who sold and bought in the temple area. And he overturned the four-footed tables of the uh, money changers and the seats of those who dealt in doves. And he do, and he would not permit anyone to carry any household equipment through the temple enclosure to making the temple area a shortcut traffic lane. And he taught and said to them, "It is." not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of robbers. The chief priests and the scribes heard of this and kept seeking some way to destroy him, for they feared him, because the entire multitude was struck with astonishment at his teaching. And when evening came on, he and his disciples as accused, accused went out to the accused tomb when in the morning when they were passing along, they noticed that the fig tree was withered completely away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Master, look, the fig tree which you doomed has withered away. And Jesus replying said to them, His faith, have faith in God constantly. Okay, have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. So, you know, that fig tree in that had the leaves on it should have also had fruit on it at that same time. And in Israel, you know, the fig trees were a staple part of the diet. And so it would have been common to be walking along there and see a fig tree. And, you know, Jesus had everything he ever needed. He never was, you know, he didn't have to be hungry. And so he goes there reaching for a fig and there it wasn't producing any fruit. So there's several lessons in this, and you'll hear this passage, passage taught many different ways. And one of the ways is, you know, grace is free through salvation. God gives his grace to us for free. But we have to work, on, work out our faith, and we show our love for God, and we invest in his kingdom. 
because we love God. And then we produce faith and we produce fruit. So um, you'll hear it taught, you know, from that aspect of producing fruit. And you, and you can also teach it from the power and authority in God's speech when he spoke out that declaration, and it killed the tree. He said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his spoken word was so powerful that it killed the tree from the roots on up. The way it, trees normally die is you start seeing the leaves dry and drop off, and then the little branches will start drying, and you know you prune them off. And it takes a long time for the roots to die. But no, his word was so powerful that he spoke the word, and it died from the roots up. And we have that same power when we make a declaration and speak his word. It goes to the very root of the problem that is in our lives. We can speak to that and kill that problem from the root. Or we can speak life to it, and those roots will go strong and deep and produce a wonderful plant or flower up above the ground. Our words can work either way. They can kill or they can give life. <clears throat> now I wanted to ask you, is it possible that he goes into the temple? Because this parable is in the middle of his visit to the temple and he overturns the tables. He's going up I to during Pesach. Right. It's the week of Passover. But I am wondering if the temple was not producing fruit because it was a den of thieves. And he went to clean it out. And remember that he gets, he tells the, the, the people that this, mm -hmm. this temple shall be destroyed. Right. And so I'm wondering if the temple was not producing fruit like the fig tree wasn't producing fruit. Well, that could very be. well be. That could and be I, another offshoot of that. Yeah. Because that I what why it was producing. What the was fruit it? And then he doesn't go anywhere the, but yeah. to the temple. He caused so the, the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. So. Yeah. They looked good. The temple was gorgeous. The tombs were whitewashed. They looked good on the outside, but they were putrefying inside. And, yeah. and the 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 priests were glorifying themselves and trying to keep all the power and authority to themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, they were ripping off the uh, people coming to the temple. The honest people who were looking yeah, for God. They were ripping them off through the selling. There were lots of different ways they did it. First of all, you couldn't use the coin of the realm. You had to use the temple coin. And when uh, the money changers would take take your coin of the realm, which was like Roman coins or what, you know, the widow's mites were Roman coins, and taking the, the coin of the realm, and then you got shortchanged when they gave you the temple coins so that you could give your offerings. Same thing, when you wanted to sacrifice the doves or the goats and the lambs, uh, you paid an exorbitant usury price on that, that sacrificial offering. People came from long, long, long distances and they didn't bring their, always bring their animals with them. A lot of them would, you know, buy them at the temple. And so there was a lot of um, thievery going on through uh, bad business practices. 
right there in the, you know, the outer court of the temple. So, uh, yeah, that could also be an offshoot of this whole parable of what kind of fruit are you producing? And there were a lot of people there that weren't producing good fruit. But he says, is it not written? My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So he's quoting the Torah when he does that. My house will be called a house for all, all nations. And that refers you back to Isaiah 56, verse 7, and Jeremiah 7, verse 11. Now my, my Bible calls it a robber's den. What does your Bible say? A den of robbers. A den of robbers. I wonder what the Amplified says. That's what mine says. Oh, okay. A den of robbers. Okay. So, you know, when they go back the next uh, morning, uh, the tree was dead. And, you know, Peter's like amazed. Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Well, yeah. Of course it did. And, you know, here, you know, Jesus says, well, you have to have more faith in the words that are spoken. Mm -hmm. So that, that's about as simple as I, as I can see it. Have more faith in the words that are spoken. The secret of the kingdom of God is selling his word. So we need to hear it, saturate ourselves with it, and take it into our hearts and then sow the declared word of God through our speech. Terry Copeland Pearson said, if your mouth fills your heart with the word of faith when you don't need it, then your heart will fill your mouth when you do need it. So it goes in here and down to, the here, down to your heart. Feed it all the time. And then when you're in a bad spot, that word will come back up out of your heart. You don't have to go grab a Bible, but you already have it in your heart and your mind. And that'll just come back up, and that's the kind of words you will speak. You'll speak words of life instead of words of cursing and death. <clears throat> okay. Let me just read uh, Hebrews 1, verse 3. The Son... S-O-N, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So what we get out of this is that the worlds are framed and sustained by the word of God. We can apply this scripture personally to our lives and circumstances by putting the word of God into our hearts and confessing it in our everyday speech. If what I believe doesn't translate into how I live, then what's the point? Belief has to affect behavior for it to be faith. We must believe and speak our faith that Jesus can do what no one else can do. So right there's a foundational word for you <laughs> yeah you know you can you can sit and read hundreds and hundreds of books you can read your Bible every day but if you don't apply it what good is it That's right. you have to make that effort and build your faith 
and build up your experiences and your testimony in the word. St. Augustine said, miracles are not in contradiction to nature. They are only in contradiction with what we know of culture. Miracles are not in contradiction to nature. They're only in contradiction to culture. With what we know. About culture. Yeah. So if you have a whole culture in your church that doesn't believe in miracles or angels or the effects of prayer or the existence of angels then you're losing out on a lot of life and a lot of power to affect the circumstances around you and the roots of our church would and as Sid Roth says in the spiritual realm the supernatural is the natural way things are supposed to be we God created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he assigned them the job of keeping a good care of the garden, right. and he gave their life livelihood to them. They didn't have to toil or sweat. They went about their daily business without it being a burden. It was an enjoyable work day, pleasure day, but it's not like we think of work. It would be more like they're pursuing their hobby and having fun with it. And that's how we were intended to live. When they disobeyed God's command and allowed sin into the world, then they had to start making a living by toil and sweat of the brow and thorns in their paths and all the bad things, the sickness, the death, and everything came in with that. But the, mirror, the miraculous is how we're supposed to live. That's how God created it, originally in the Garden of Eden. Right. Miracles, Hopefully we'll get that back someday. Well, <laughs> a lot of miracles still exist. Yeah. And God still provides in wonderful ways without the toil of your body and the sweat of your brow. You can flow in God's blessings. Now, you know, troubles may come your way because Satan is really going to make a, an effort to do that in your life. But God can bring you through a lot of that, and, and you can be living a really blessed life. And people will wonder, well, how does that, how does that happen for them and not for me? It's because of your faith in God. You're speaking the God's word. You're making declarations. You're studying and developing a relationship with God through prayer and through talking with him. So there, there are different ways of living. And a lot of it's dependent on your developing your knowledge and relationship and having the God kind of faith. Jesus created, and he also continues to control the natural world. He is not limited by what we think are facts, and we need to trust him. Right. And we need to talk that way and act that way. <clears throat> so go to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy. Yeah, back to the Torah. Oh. This is not a new idea.
questions around in this chapter? Six. And we're going to do verses five through seven. Okay, I said five through seven, but let's say four through seven. I know we've done that before, but I just love that verse. I love it. <laughs> Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them. Shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Okay. Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohinu Adonai Echad. I just got it. Another one. Another one. Yeah, that's this the other one, was one that buzzing. was bothering. I swear, he's been you here. keep swatting and you look yeah. like you're nuts, you know? <laughs> That's <what I> <laughs> I wonder what you got. Yeah. crazy? <laughs> I know, I'm sitting here like and swatting I, around. It's actually in my yearbook. There's a couple of them in here. There must be a couple. Yeah. Epileptics. <laughs> so, you ought to have brackets around this passage. I do. It must have been from another teacher. Yep. <laughs> my, my Bible wants, it to, wants you to continue through 8 and 9. And those passages, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as the frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they even take Jewish tradition. Yeah, it goes that way. And I was going to do that, and then I thought, well, now I'm going to just stick to that one little bit at this point. Well, but, yeah. but the thing is, okay, let's let's talk about. First of all, the Shema is the affirmation of the basic tenets of the Jewish faith, and it applies to us, too, because we're grafted in as born-again believers. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's a declaration of faith in one God, one God. He has three aspects to him, is how we believe as Protestants, but it is one God. Um, this is the only Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Elohim is the three aspects of God. It's three, it's plural. Elo, Eloeka is God, one God. <coughs> but Elohim is multiple, plural. And that's where we understand that the Bible confirms the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the three aspects of God in one, the Trinity. So that tells you right here that's the Trinity. Um, Tells us that uh, the Shema means listen. And that's hear, listen, act, and do. So it's more than just, you know, hearing a word, but it's following through with it, getting it down into your heart, and then acting on it and behaving that way. Um, Put them down into your heart. So that connects with those verses we just read in the New Testament. Get it down into your heart. Then it goes a step further 
you know, impress them on your children. So teach them to your family members. Go beyond just your children, which is your lineage, but, you know, extend <coughs> it to all your family. Talk about it. Make it a part of your daily conversation. Talk and read about the Word of God. Um, now, in verse 8, it's tie them as symbols on your hands. That's the tefillin. The tefillin is the, what we also know of as the phylacteries. And I've, I've actually seen Jews use these. But they have a little box. Leather, it's made out of box. Uh, <coughs> and there's a little box that opens up. It's on the head. They put that on the head, and then they bring it down, and they wrap it around their arms. And inside that box is uh, scriptures from the Torah. So they literally... Uh, in their morning and evening, uh, morning, afternoon, and evening prayer, we'll wrap these phylacteries around, and the Jewish word, for, the Hebrew word for that is tefillin, and they literally wear the word of God, the written word of God, on, on their board. bodies, yeah. and they wrap it around wrap them. It around so it's up here on the head where the mind is, and they wrap it down around their arms. So, we we don't actually use you know phylacteries, but we take that basic foundational law of getting it down in, into their heads and down into our hearts. <coughs> and then when you write them on the door frames of your houses, and also on their gates to enter their properties, they have the mezuzah, and it, it's a metal box. It's very thin with a, a cover on it about six inches long and about about an inch and a half wide. They come in different sizes, but that's yeah, pretty much the standard that. size. And they actually physically attach this to the door to the house and onto their gatepost. And that also has written scripture in it. And so they're applying that, that scripture to the home and property. They touch it, yeah. Would we see this if we went to Israel, say for instance? Mm -hmm. Well, you um, see it here in the United States. Well, no, I don't see it. Christian, yeah, a lot of lost, lots, lots no, the Jews, I I the Jews, yeah, the Jews have it, and a lot of Christians are doing that. Mm -hmm. Sandy has one on her door. Mm -hmm. you walk into her it's house. like we have the prayer shawls, the tallit, the either. Jewish prayer shawl, the tallit. A lot of Christians use that, huh. and so. Um, yeah. <coughs> going back to the uh, our Jewish roots, because you know. Jew, uh, Jesus is our Lord and High Priest, and uh, He's Jewish. We're grafted right. in. And we're grafted in. Grafted and we have Jewish roots. Our lineage, our spiritual lineage, goes back to Adam and Eve. So, okay, so um, that's Deuteronomy, and it's about time to wrap up here. Okay, so we're going to stop there, and then next week we're going to go back, clear back to Revelation to add on to this whole idea. That was helpful, and because back I never thought of that, uh, the parable of the fig tree about being within the temple. That was the first time I'd ever thought of it, and I was like, oh, I wonder if I'm right. Especially well, I think like you probably are. At the beginning, you know, yeah. yeah, it does oh, sound so like it's... Fig tree, and now you're at the temple. But then I thought yeah. about churches that aren't producing and this one is, and, well. Well, yeah, because it goes, 
He expects us to produce as individuals. Um, we don't do it to earn salvation. The salvation was free, but then, you know, as part of God's kingdom, you know, we have to be uh, productive right. in his kingdom, in the spiritual realm. And it's not just us as individuals, but as groups of people and as churches and hopefully as communities and nations. And this nation at one, at still is the most fruitful nation in the world, in God's kingdom. But um, well, we have to be very careful because we're backsliding as a nation. Oh, so, so just that, that is a very uh, good point that yes, that is not just a separate little uh, train of thought in that passage when he get, moves from the fig tree up to the temple for the, the festival of Pesach. But it also applies to the temple as to whether the temple is producing good fruit. Well, see, I've never thought of that before. I always wondered why that story had this funny parable in the middle of them overturning the tables. They start the story of the fig tree, then he destroys the tables, and then he, the, the fig tree is dead. I always wondered why. There was, you know, a pause in it. But he's straightening things up to God's word. It's a house of prayer. And, you know, they were producing really rotten fruit. Yeah. So, okay. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.